Welcome to the 207th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we're playing it, we will be talking about it. Today we are recording on November 19th, 2020. It is my wife's birthday. Everybody wish my wife happy birthday! Happy birthday! Happy birthday! Now, that's out of the way. I am still the editor of GameCritics.com, and as always, 5% of this here show with me is the guy who can tell the difference between Coke and Pepsi while blindfolded, Carlos Rodella. Sure can. I can also tell the difference between regular Coke that's in the bottle with high fructose corn syrup, which is bullshit, and the Mexican Coke, which is much better with cane syrup. That real sugar is delicious, yeah. buddy. Good stuff. All right, excellent. We will have to do that. Maybe we'll do that. We'll live stream that. We'll get some Coke. We'll like line it up, and we'll just like blindfold it. It might be a good uh, good thing to do. And we'll never do that. And we will... <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll say we did and never do that. Nope. Okay, fine. All right, folks, we have a big show, lots of stuff on deck today. I say we get to it. Uh, before we get into the main section of the show, we're going to do, we're switching things up a little bit. We kind of had a happy accident last week, and we usually do housekeeping at the beginning. And for whatever reason, I said, instead of housekeeping, I said we're going to be keeping the house with Carlos. That's got a nice ring to it, and I think we're going to stick with it. So this week, let us kick off episode 207 by keeping the house with Carlos. Carlos, what you got? Keeping the house with Carlos. I think it should have its own theme song. We're going to work on that. Jeez mm, Louise, I'm sorry I did it. <laughs> um, so real quick keep, uh, housekeeping or keeping the house. First off is, uh, we haven't talked about it, but last episode I think we talked about my new PS5. And with the new PS5 came the new, in quote store. Basically, it's more of a streamlined process. You kind of just scroll around find games and it's not a separate standalone app or like store section uh, it's just kind of all there on the home screen well what i found out is you can also go down to the very bottom which i think i might have mentioned and go to all ps5 games well what's interesting is you know because it's so early i went through them all <laughs> there's like, there like six games there <laughs> well they're like 10 or something because they count, okay. count some of the ones that got upgraded you know etc sure, sure um and i was like oh but this is where i normally every week go to like my ps4 store and find like weird indie games or something to download so i was a little bummed but then right to the side of it it said all ps4 games oh okay cool so i was like oh shit i can still do what i do and anyone listening you could do the same thing and there was a ton of new games uh, so on the PS4 side. On the PS4, the which, which I could download for the PS5. Absolutely. So if, you know, coming up next episode, you're going to hear me talk about more PS4 games because I've exhausted the PS5 ones, two that we'll talk about today. And, um, yeah, it's cool that I can still do that. Yeah, that's uh, it's, it's always the thing about when you switch into a new generation, right? I mean, it's like you're st- everybody wants to look at the new stuff, which is cool. But, you know, a lot of developers are kind of hedging their bets. They're they're thinking that there's not going to be a huge bunch of people buying the consoles. I mean, always the early adopters, like the enthusiasts like us, right? But there's still a lot of people out there who either, A, cannot get a PS5 or an Xbox, for that, ma- for that matter, or, B, can't afford one because, hey, we're still in the middle of an economic crisis and a pandemic, or, C, a lot of people just, you know, are going to wait till Christmas, or they're going to wait till later on, they're going to wait till their birthday or something, because not everybody is crazy people like we are and buys consoles uh, whenever they come out. So, I mean, a lot of people are like, well, we're going to put a finger in development for next gen, but we're still going to put most of our eggs in the, in the current gen basket, or I guess last gen basket now. So it's always weird, you know, that slow buildup. But, but for me, one exciting thing is going into like a new console store and just watching it grow over time. Right? Yes. Like, when the Switch came out, 
Uh, it was like, there was like six games, and I'm like, okay, like, none of these are really that great, or whatever, but then it goes and goes and goes, and now it's like, you can't even scroll to the bottom of it before you fall asleep, because you gotta take a nap, because it's like such a long list. Yeah, there's so many Switch games, it's ridiculous. That's probably why you review so many of them on this show, there's just so many of them. There is so many, but like, same thing for PS5, right? Like, you're gonna see the upgrades, you're gonna see the remasters, or whatever, but then, you know, slowly and surely... We'll get there, but not too quick because, God damn it, none of my reviewers can get new consoles, which is a big fucking problem for GameCritics.com. I know. So, that's a yeah. big tangent in, in itself. Um, so that's cool, and yeah, I agree. Um, you know, a ton of PS4 players still out there, so you can get a ton of new games because they're still releasing them. And to your point earlier, um, you know, a lot of these games have been in development for a long time, and they're like, yeah, we're going to come out on the system we were developing it for, which was Absolutely. PS4. Uh, the only other piece of housekeeping was Watch Dogs Legion. I went back, and um, if some of you follow me on Twitter, you'd see that I was having a problem downloading my save game. Uh, and I played the. Were you going to play it upresed on the PS5? Yeah, so I wanted to see what it was, like what the gotcha. ray tracing looked like. So my PS4 version, uh, before I'd shut down my PS4 Pro, I had uploaded to the cloud. So Watch Dogs save uploaded to the cloud. So I thought it'd be as easy as. Uh, get the PS5 version, download my save, and then we're good to go. I mean, you would think that's a perfectly logical assumption. Sounds right. Uh, on paper. But I did that and uh, then loaded up my PS5 version of Watch Dogs, and it said, nope, I don't see a save game there. Ooh. So that sucked, and I was mad for a while. But then I said to myself, it is interesting that they have a PS4 version of Watch Dogs as well right so there's two versions so why don't i download the ps4 version and then um how did i do it i was gonna download how did i would do it yeah so i took the so i downloaded the ps4 version of Watch Dogs legion then i took my save game that i remember i just downloaded right from the cloud yeah and then i just started playing the campaign on my on my ps4 version on my ps5 so just to, just to clarify here, so what's going on is you started Watch Dogs on a PS4, you uploaded your save to the cloud, then you got on your PS5, but you downloaded the PS4 version of the game onto your PS5, and then you played it that way. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I like how you translate my words because they're like the wrong I am an words. interpreter. That yes. is what I do. Yeah, I think that's what you do on this show for me. Um, so that's what I did. <laughs> and so what happened is, and this is the crazy workaround. I started playing the, the game on my PS4 version, and I was like, I actually originally just thought, like, well, I'll just play more of it on this PS4 version. It, it looks fine. But then I was like, wait, I'll save the game now. <laughs> so I saved the game again on my, like, local storage. Right. And then I booted up my PS5 version, loaded that save because it was local storage, and it worked. Uh -huh weird it worked yeah 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 so i did a weird hack that i probably is not meant to happen but now i'm playing the ps5 version uh with my save game and that game is addictive as hell i was like oh shit i'm gonna do a bunch of missions aren't i <laughs> well two questions two questions on this um so i guess number one um every publisher seems to have a different philosophy when it comes to you know, if you buy something on PS4, do you have to buy it again on PS5? Do you get it free? Is it a DLC? Is there an upgrade? Like, how is it working? Um, some some publishers are making you buy it again. Some publishers are not. It's really kind of hit or miss. So, in this particular case, did you have to buy a PS5 version? And also, if you are playing it on the PS5, how much different does it look? Yeah, good questions. Well, the first off is, no, you don't have to buy anything else again. You just okay. download uh, whatever 
version you want. Again, I'm not sure besides my hack why you'd want to download the PS4 version on your PS5. I don't get that. Um, again, besides the way that I did to get my save game working. Yeah, and upload your saves. That's yeah. why you want to do it. Um, but other than that, yeah, you just, at the beginning when you go to your PS5, you can see both of them are available for download. So it's free. Okay. Okay. And I think a lot of other ones are doing that same type of system. That's the smart move. That's, yeah. the, that's the good move. Um, and then when it comes to graphics, there's we're going to hear uh, another talk about PS5 graphics later in the episode, but it's funny how quickly you adapt. Uh, I think just for a small tangent, what well, we all adapted to HD, remember? And we were like, oh, yeah, of course, it should look crystal clear, you know, and it shouldn't look like SD. Uh, I think it took us pretty quickly to adapt to that. But it's the same thing with 4K and with ray tracing and stuff. Like now I'm like, yeah, that's how it should look. <laughs> I've like already adapted myself. You've to already it. gotten bored of it. Looks the same. Like nothing special anymore. You're no, no, used no, no. To it. Not bored. Don't. I would say that at all. You I, are. You are. You are no longer impressed by the way a game looks now. No, not that either. I. Okay. Would, I'm saying that like I just expect it. It's almost like yeah, of course. And so that I started seeing the the ray tracing and you know which is essentially just reflections and light rays can go a lot of different places, which means you can have shadows and. And different things that you wouldn't think are important, but they really do make a difference in the believability of the world. And so it being turned on now, I was just like, eh, okay. I mean, okay. But, like, <laughs> it's the same game, and they didn't, like, go nuts. It's not like they right. built it from the ground up. And then, sure. and this is kind of um, a spoiler for later in the episode, but with Valhalla, which I'm playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla, the graphics are so damn good, and ray tracing and the lighting effects – that I'm kind of used to them there. So unfortunately, going back to Watch Dogs after Valhalla, I wasn't super impressed. I was like, yeah, it's more of Watch Dogs. So, so in comparison, I don't know if they were in development at the same time or in what stages of development they were. You know, who, I mean, I'm sure one started before the other. But if you were to look at Watch Dogs, Legion, and Assassin's Creed Valhalla on the PS5 now. So you're saying Valhalla looks significantly better than Watch Dogs? Yeah, I think so. I think it's tough because I think Watch Dogs was making it for PS4. It feels like that. and Probably older, yeah. Yeah, and it looks great on the PS4 Pro is what I was playing it. I mean, it looks uh -huh, great. Uh -huh. I'm not saying it looks bad at all. But Valhalla seems to use more of the ray tracing in different ways with dynamic lighting and shadows. Um, I don't know. And we'll get to Spider-Man later. But, yeah, I just think that, A, I am spoiled. <laughs> And B, Watch Dogs is, is, you know, the upgrade to me doesn't really seem like a big deal. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, you know, that's really the thing, right? I mean, we're going to be in that period for a while. And it's always the same with every single console since we started having consoles where you get on the ground floor with a launch console. You know, there's like one or two showcase games which were in development specifically for the new console. But then you're also, then you hit that dry spell, right? When all the other developers are trying to catch up. And then you get the, the remasters or you get the ports. And then everybody's like, eh. Looks all right. It's yeah. all right. It's fine. But those are, the, you know, those are the started in last gen games. And it's going to be like a couple months until we get the meant to be on PS5 as the base unit or Xbox X or whatever. And then we'll get the sparkly back. So, yeah, it's, it seems like a pretty normal, normal curve to be expected, basically. Yeah. And the only unfortunate thing is it seems like the, the number one game that people are talking about that uses the most of the PS5's abilities is Demon's Souls. Demon's Souls. And you know how I Jump feel in, about Jump in, buddy. Jump in. You games. love them. Number one fan. I am a Get number good. one non-fan. 
<laughs> and don't even start saying get good because we still haven't had our tangent episode about getting good in, in Dark Souls. We should. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. We can talk about that for sure. Okay. So that is keeping the house with Carlos. Anything left to keep there or shall we get into the meat of the episode? Let's get into some meat. All right. We got plenty to talk about. We're going to keep it with you to start off if that's all right, Carlos. Although this is a game that you and I both have played. This is... The Pathless, uh, coming from developer Giant Squid, I believe. They were the people who made Abzu, which was the very colorful uh, scuba diving sci-fi game that came out a couple years ago. The Pathless, uh, their new thing, is on PS4, which is where I played it. Did you play it on PS5? You did, yeah, right? Yeah, I sure did. And we can see you if play there's on PS5. differences with graphics, yeah. Yes, absolutely. So we can talk about that now. I'm going to let you lead off, but why don't you tell us what The Pathless is, and then we'll dig into it. Wait, why don't you lead off? <laughs> didn't you? Didn't you review it? I no no no. I oh, was just you playing it for the show. No. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't really like uh, plan a, a story bit because I don't remember the actual character's name. Do you know what the character's called? I don't think the character even ha- even has a name. Oh, okay. Well, you play as a character. There is a character. You are that person. <laughs> and that's it. That's the review of the game. Um, no, it's very Disney. It's a beautiful looking game. It's that. Um, you, I don't want to call it cel shaded, but what would you call that art? I mean, it's kind of like flat shaded, or I mean, almost cell shaded, but like very basic um, flat shading. I think is probably pretty close. You're basically an archer, and you have a hawk um, with you. It's a hawk, right? Falcon. Uh, hawk? falcon, eagle. It's one of those raptor birds of prey. Yeah, and you basically shoot your arrow to run around the environment, which is this massive, in quotes, open world. And when you hit these targets that are all over the the landscape you go faster so you have an actual like run button but then when you um, aim at a target and hit it with your bow and arrow you get like a little boost of energy so if you keep doing that you basically chain them together a la spider-man swinging which we'll get to later um i apologize for all the foreshadowing (laughs) you are just you are teasing the fact that you are ready to talk about miles morales i know okay so anyways um you do that, and that moves you around the environment quicker. But the whole idea is you're supposed to essentially clean these obelisks because they are, you know, bad. They got the they got the demon in them, and you got to clean them out with these things called lightstones. And how do you do that? You find uh, these lightstones because of puzzles. So you do puzzles in the environment, uh, whether it means shoot your bow through, shoot your arrow through like a, a series of circles, or have the hawk kind of go pick up something, put it on a pressure plate. You've seen it before. Uh, really, really simple kind of puzzles. And then you get these light stones, and then you clean these, like, you know, dark areas. And the whole idea is to clean a whole area within uh, one big map, and then you'll fight a boss. Yeah? Pretty good? Basically, yeah, basically. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It reminds me a lot, um, to be to be honest, it reminds me a lot of a lower lower budget um shadow of the colossus where Mm. you're set loose in this giant i mean not giant giant but you know a big open world and there's nothing really in the world to do except for traverse it and then when you get to these little puzzle areas you solve a puzzle or two and when you get enough of those stones by solving puzzles then you fight like a big boss but it really reminded me a lot of shadow of the colossus where it's kind of the same structure of you can see your target way off in the distance you got to just like get there And there's not really anything to do until you get there. And then you get there, you do a thing, and then that's your bit of action. Once you solve that thing, you move on to the next 
thing in the distance is kind of how that went for me. Yeah, and there's See, there's no map, so it's like really right. you know tricky. Like there's a love hate relationship I have with the fact that there's no map because they they don't want you to have one because they want you to have that exploration feeling you're talking about. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you're like, well, where should I go right now? And I guess you have that heat that not heat vision, the um, what's it called, mind vision or something. I mean, it kind of looks like a heat vision. She, like in the beginning of the game, she picks up like a visor and it gives you magic vision or heat vision or something. And that's called heat vision. It, yeah, heat. It looks like a heat vision. Okay. So if you put that on and look around, you'll see glowing red, and that means you know red, obviously evil. You got to go to the glowing red parts. You see something blue, nothing there. Something green, nothing there. But red is where you got to go. Right. And seeing all the trailers, I always thought that the whole game was just you had to run fast. And, and that, that's maybe just how the trailer portrayed it. But you can just, like, walk around. Like, <laughs> you can, like, you don't have to be running the whole you time. You can absolutely take your time. There is no <laughs> rush whatsoever. Yeah. Although, did you notice when you when you uh, hit a bunch of those, uh, it's hard to say, uh, just go watch the trailer. But those little uh, squares or whatever they are all around. The, the targets all the over? The targets, yeah. Yeah. When you hit enough of them in succession, like, music plays more, I think. Is that oh, right? Oh, maybe. I don't know. I played it on mute half the time, so I'm not sure. Uh, it's possible. I think the music starts picking up as you like gain momentum, which very is kind of possible. Cool. Very possible. So let's we're going to dig into this, Carlos. I mean, uh, number one, I didn't finish this game. Did you finish this game? No, no, I beat the first boss though. Okay. What did you? So let's talk in just kind of generalities. Like, what did you? What did you think of it? How was your response? What was your feeling? Well, first off, I would say the difference is real quick uh, for the PS5 because I don't think that you had this. Well, I know you didn't. <laughs> I have the du- I have the DualSense controller, so correct. The, yes, the bow and arrow, the bow part felt something like the trigger actually felt more like a bow. Uh, okay, and again, it's always hard to explain those. It's just like if someone's never experienced virtual reality, trying to explain sure. it to them. Sure, but sure. the DualSense is something I can't live without. Like it's so great how that sensation is really fun. Like oh, quick, quick tangent, quick yeah. tangent. It's funny you say that, and I've heard other people say the same. But I got to be honest with you, I turn vibration off in like every game that I play. Like I don't like the tactile feedback, like in my DualShock on the PS4 or anything on the Switch or anything. Like I turn that off all the time. And I've never really played a game where I'm like, oh, I love having this on. Like, I find it to be really irritating and distracting. Let me, do you, yeah. Do you play with vibration in general? I do, but let me tell you why this is different than general okay. vibration. Right. For one thing, the thing we're talking about in Pathless, it's just that tension of the bow. And uh-huh. so even if you, there was no rumbling in the game, which is a little bit, um, th- that feeling of like pulling back on the controller and it giving you resistance and then it kind of clicking when it when it hit the, hits the target, it kind of like clicking is the wrong word, but it kind of triggers into something else and then you feel satisfied. It's kind of okay. like, a, a, like a, um, a little bit that makes you feel good about what you just accomplished. So then that's different than rumbling. Because <laughs> with just, your finger. Yeah, with your finger because, <laughs> oh, yeah. Did I miss the joke there? I, I felt good about what I accomplished with my finger. It's oh, fine. It's just a okay. little, little joke. Yeah. Good. Uh, <laughs> and so the rumbling, you know, I think the other thing is that dual sense, for not too much of a tangent, it, it isn't just a rumble. Like, literally, every game that uses it right, which is, I think, most of them, than most of the PS5 games, it, it's a, a nuanced uh, movement within the controller. Like I said last episode, in Astro, the rain feels like raindrops. Um, right, In right. this one, when I, like was running away from a boss that was shooting like fire. Like when the explosion happened, it kind of reverberated around the controller, but it didn't like just rumble it. 
So you were saying like kind of like locational vibration, right? Very like much on your so. controller. Very okay. much so. Like from left to right in the controller. Like interesting. Yeah, interesting. Uh, but back to the game itself. Uh, in general, in the beginning, I really didn't care for it because <clears throat> it was just running around, shooting targets, going fast, and doing these really simple puzzles, um, and cleaning these areas. And I just literally had no like interest in it. Like it, I thought it would be just blown away by this thing. But um, the graphics and the beauty especially on the PS5, is unbelievable. Like, it is a Disney movie come to life, and it is really amazing looking. Uh, and you can actually switch on the PS5 between, um, what's it called, like cinematic or like really, really fidelity mode, uh-huh. oh, and then like 60 frames per second. So you can switch between the two. But I put it on the fidelity mode, and it, it is stunner, a stunner to look at. But the gameplay was just boring to me. Like, I just didn't find any fun. And then, I don't know if you know this, but the the storm that's on the map, you know, there's a storm. Oh, like a big, like the big red firestorm thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was like telling me to go to there because that was the boss. But no, you don't want to go to that. People listening who are just playing it for the first time, that's like an obstacle. And if you go in there, you basically have to like dodge this fucking like vision, one of those vision games, like a stealth game, where this monster's hunting you down, you can't get hit by him. And if you do, you like, I don't know, get knocked out of the uh, of the world or something. It sucks. I'm guessing you. Di- I'm guessing you didn't get stuck in that storm then. No, see, that was part of the thing that kind of confused me, uh, to be honest. So, so my take on this game, I agree with you about the graphics. I think it looks awesome. I think the uh, even on the PS4, which is where I played, it, I think it looks really sharp. Um, the art style is really great, and I thought that Abzu looked really great too, right? But the the graphics was not my problem with Abzu, and and the graphics is not my problem with Pathless here. I think the main character looks dope. Like her skin is like blue, and her costume is red, and you get the contrast, and it just looks like, really iconic and striking. It looks just really cool. Like it, she's a very cool looking character. Um, but like, kind of like what you said, the game is just kind of boring uh, for a number of reasons. The for. Number one, and I will address the thing you, you mentioned. I'll bring that up at the end here. Um, it's hard to describe, but, like, imagine looking at an open world and every five feet there is a target hanging in the air for, like, literally no reason other than to give you something to shoot because shooting makes you slide along the ground fast, which is kind of cool when you're watching a video of it, but there's no real reason to go fast. You don't really do anything other than move faster. It's not like you need to do it. Um, to, to traverse the world. I mean, it's kind of integrated into the boss battles when the boss runs away, so you have to catch up to them. But that's really, like, the only time you ever really need to go fast. And so it seems like the developers came up with this thing that looks awesome in a video, but they didn't really have a great idea about how to integrate that into the gameplay. So that part, once I figured out there was no real reason to doing it, it really lost a lot of its luster. Uh, the puzzles are also, like you said, they're pretty strong straightforward and simple i mean whatever it's fine i guess but i guess i just didn't care about anything in the game because we don't know who this character is it's pretty basic like oh stop the evil forces and you don't really know anything about what's going on or who people are you cross the i mean and you're just like you see red spot go to red spot in the world do the puzzle collect the doodad and then fight the boss after a couple times it just feels very like i mean like it's like they got a great visual they liked the way the sliding looked and then they kind of made a game out of it. And there just wasn't a lot else there. And it's a funny contrast to something like Shadow of the Colossus, which I feel like it's very, very much in common with. But the difference being in Shadow of the Colossus, number one, I think the story is way more interesting. And number two, each Colossus was like its own 
exciting battle slash puzzle. So, like, everyone was different. Some of them were big, some of them were small, some of them were more puzzly, some were straight-up combat. A lot of them had climbing. The climbing was really exciting. And in that game, the climbing had a very tangible gameplay effect. Uh, and in this game, I just... It doesn't feel like there's really much to any of it. It's just supposed to kind of look cool. And okay, I guess. But I yeah. just was not really drawn into it. And, and as far as your question goes... The, yeah, those uh, you see, a boss shows up once in a while, and they start looking around for you. If they see you, you lose your little bonus gold coins or whatever that you can use to get towards a power up. But it was the first time it happened. I had no idea what was going on. Like I'm playing, boss shows up. I'm like, oh, is this a fight? What's going on? And then they start looking for me. I got caught in their searchlight eye beams, and then it was like I got knocked out. But then the boss was gone. I'm like, are we not fighting? What's going on? What's I happening? know. What I happened? was just as confused. I was like, I thought this was a boss battle, but it's not. Yeah, it just was weird and didn't seem to have a point. I mean, I think that, bottom line, I think it's a looker, for sure. And I just, my gut is is just not happy with this because I feel like all style, not very much substance is where I'm landing on it. Yeah, and even the story bits they have, that are there are some story bits in there because you'll find, like, dead bodies and, like, little notes on them. Yeah. And all of them are just very obscure, you know, like... Um, is this David Lynch? Like, I don't, I don't, like, I don't know what you're trying to say with the statement. Like, this is just a statement, you know, does it, doesn't yeah. have any bearing on the world at all. Like, um, I mean, it does to the character. It also reminds me of journey, by the way, the game, obviously. a little bit. Yeah. yeah. A little bit. Um, yeah. I will say this though, to give it credit, um, that boss fight. Okay. I'm going to give it a credit and then I'm also going to take away the credit. <laughs> so we're going to, we're going <laughs> gonna to end with zero. Okay, but uh, the the positive credit is like you said, you do have to use those actual squares, target things, to speed up to go after the actual first boss, and he runs away as like everything's burning around you, and it looks amazing. It does look amazing. That boss fight does look cool. And then when you get, because I actually beat beat the, that boss, and you know, speeding up to catch him, but also dodge his fireballs is really really fun. When you get to him, though, of course, like every fucking video game. The boss has to not have another version, you know, or like sure. you got to fight second him again. Second mode or whatever, yeah. second phase. So in that first phase, I guess it's the second phase actually. He's stationary, he's in a circle, or whatever, and you fight him, and it's interesting because you're dodging again and using your bone arrow that like feels good, and you hitting him and stuff. But then he goes to another stage, like a third stage, and there's like f- more fire, and you can get hit everywhere, and it's it's like difficult. And I was like. Uh, so leading up to it, I was like, holy crap, that's fun. I love the run. I love the chase. This is more, I'd like to see more of this in the game because this feels yeah, really fun. Yeah. And I know that that's not the case because the next area is just the same thing again. It's just a big map and then the same thing's going to happen. But what I'll say is also fuck bosses. I'm over bosses and I'm <laughs> fucking over bosses because this is not, I don't know, like the fourth or fifth game I've played in a row where there's two or three stage bosses. Sure. I, th- this is not 1990 anymore, like or 2000. I'm fucking over it, dude. I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, I mean, I I share those feelings, and I think that I I stopped about maybe two thirds of the way. I was almost to the second boss, but I got to be honest with you. By that point, I was pretty bored of it. I was just like, okay, I'm crossing this land, and I'm picking up these doodads, and I'm just doing it. Just it just doesn't make a lot of sense, right? I mean, the targets scattered around the world don't make a lot of sense, and the gameplay doesn't really integrate with what they I mean it just it didn't really come together and I wish I wish that they you know it was a different thing than it was right like, I don't mean to be like a, um, a quarterback uh, armchair armchair developer armchair quarterback whatever um, but like 
The boss battle is cool because you have a reason to go fast because you're chasing this thing that's running away from you. You need to dodge the things, like you said, like fireballs and dodge fire, and you're moving around. That part felt pretty cool and exciting. It was very visually interesting. Uh, and I wish there was more of that. So, you know, maybe maybe more of a Shadow of Colossus style where they had a bunch of bosses instead of just these little puzzles to solve. Mm-hmm. And I wish that there was more reason to move fast in the world. Like, I wish there was, like, more ramps or maybe more exciting jumps you had to do or something that... That just gave you more of a reason. It just it feels like half an idea, and it doesn't feel like it's fully formed. And I just it just didn't grab me. Yeah, I, I hear that because basically, you know, I kept looking for those things that you're talking about, like ramps in like the yeah. world. And there was like I think two, you know, like two or three places where oh, if I actually go faster, it'll be you know something. But yeah, yeah. in general, it's not there. So yes, I had fun with it um, in those couple moments i got frustrated that the bosses which i'm gonna you know have to face probably three or four more bosses they're all gonna have many stages you know um so get good um and i just basically don't want to play a game with bosses and that's why to bring it all the way back i don't like the souls games because i feel like every game every enemy is a boss in that game basically basically so all right, that is The Pathless coming from Giant Squid. I played on PS4, you played on PS5. Seems like it's uh, it's got some high points, but kind of a miss for both of us. Would you agree? Yeah, I think so. All right, fair enough. Uh, let's move on. i got a bunch of stuff to talk about on the Switch. First off, uh, not really a recommendation or a dismissal for a game called Batbarian Testament of the Primordials. Uh, this is a 2D pixel games kind of an action platformer it's also kind of a puzzle game you play a barbarian you can be either male or female which i appreciate the choice you are accompanied by a bat who he glows he's also your light source he's your buddy and he's also your light source and that was where things started to go south for me because i didn't realize this was a dark 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 game and you know me man i do not like dark games i feel like darkness is not i never enjoy darkness in a game because video games i want to see the video you're talking about dark uh, as in vision as in, like, the entire screen is dark, you're in a dark cave, everything's yeah. black, you use the bat as your light source, and I just was like, oh, I had no idea that's what this game was, didn't it was, realize it was a dark game. In, in their defense, it was about a bat, though, right? <laughs> I mean, totally. I was I was thinking, use the bat for combos, maybe you glide by holding the bat's feet, or he fetches things for you, and maybe those things do happen, uh, but I, I am allergic to games which are dark, I just don't like it, this is my personal pet peeve. And this game starts out really, really dark. So uh, it may be interesting. I know that Dan Weissenberger at Game Critics reviewed this. He ended up kind of liking it because it was very puzzly, more puzzly than it looks. Um, and he kind of liked it. But for me, I just, I'm sorry. I just, I can't put up with dark games. And so I noped out of it before I even really got going with it because I was just kind of too annoyed. But that's, that's my issue. Yeah. That's not a, you know, a lot of people don't care about darkness in games. That's totally fine. I'm not dinging the game for that. I'm just saying up front. I can't deal with dark games, so that's that's on me. So that was Batbarian. Um, check it out if you want an action puzzler and you don't mind your games being dark. Carlos, how do you feel about darkness in games? Um, I don't know if I played many dark games that take place in the dark. <laughs> like, what's another <laughs> example one? I'm I mean, basically every single horror game, they're always that's fucking true. super dark, right? Like, and, So that's why I don't play a lot of horror games. Yeah, I don't mind that. Um, yeah, I, I, I haven't really played a lot of games in the dark. Alone in the alone in the dark, yeah. And you were alone, so I guess it was fine. It oh out, but... yeah, I was. Thanks uh, for thanks for bringing that up. Hold sorry. on, let me drink some more Hennessy. Me- memories, right? Painful memories. So that was Bad Barian. I noped out of that, and that one's on me. Um, the second one I want to talk about is called Carto. C A R T O. This game is cute as a button. It is a top-down puzzle game, 
slash, I don't know, indie vibe, sort of a cutesy. Hard to describe exactly what this is. You play a little girl, and she has the power to rearrange the world. And how that how that plays out is you're you're in a land, and each land is about one square. So there's trees, there's mountains, there might be a hut or something, other people. And then you can zoom out to like a map view. And then you see the whole world divided up into squares. You can pick up any square, you know, in the whole world, rotate it like left or right. You can move it to like if it's at the bottom of the map, you can put it to the top of the map and you can like move these chunks of land all the way around. And then when you zoom back in, the whole landscape is rearranged exactly how you rearranged it. So let's say, for Mm. example, let's say, for example, you're on the left side of the screen and there's a river dividing the left and the right. And you've got to get to the town that's on the right side. You can't cross the river because you have no boat and you can't swim. So what you do is you zoom out, you go to the map view, you take the chunk of land that has the river and you move it all the way to the right side. And then you take the part of the town, you move that a little bit left and rearrange the order. Uh. And then so the river is no longer between you and the town. And then you zoom back in and then the town is right there. You no longer have to cross the river because you moved the river. It's like a board game. It's kind of like a board game. Um, It is a little bit like that. So it's a really interesting sort of a mechanic where you're constantly like moving pieces around and as you play the game there's a story and you'll have to do certain things and along the story somebody will say like oh i lost my sheep and he's like in the middle of the woods can you please find him and when you look at the map there's no woods but you'll notice oh there's like a fringe of trees on this square and there's a fringe of trees over here if i rotate these around and if i move them around and i put the fringes together oh here's a forest like Mm. you know you kind of kind of puzzle it around or sometimes somebody be like, oh, I got to get to my house and my house is, is really far north. And when you look at the map, his house is actually like at the south. But you're like, OK, got to relocate this dude's house to the north. You move that and he's like, oh, my house is back. Hooray. Thank you. <laughs> By the way, so, all the people in the world are just like fine with this, right? They're like, I, I oh, mean, he, they're just moving the parts of the earth around. They don't really. Ex- I mean, it's kind of one of those magical realism things or something like nobody really acknowledges that the land is somehow moving. It's just like you blink. And then it kind of like is like nobody you're not seeing like giant hands moving chunks of earth or anything. It just kind of like magically happens. That would be funny, though. That would be funny to be like, oh, yeah, you know, that girl, she like moves earth. Yeah, it would be it would be pretty interesting. So they don't really explain that part. You have to just kind of like accept the premise and just kind of roll with it. So um, I think it's really cute. Uh, I I played about maybe I want to say maybe half before the show. Uh, I like it a lot. I think the art is really cute. I think the idea is really cute. It's really chill. Like, there's no combat. Like, you're just talking to villagers. You're kind of trying to do the request. You're kind of moving pieces of land around, and there's no penalty. I mean, you don't get, you don't die. You don't lose points. There's no points or anything. It's just like, you know, it's like a pretty chill puzzle experience. And uh, it looks great. It's cute. It's interesting. It's a good fit on the Switch. I think it's, it's pretty good stuff. Yeah, I've been looking at it for a while just based on the art, because we always talk about art and stuff. And it looks, I just like the art style. Um, and it would be nice to have something to lay down in bed with at night and just do some puzzle pieces. So maybe I'll pick it up. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect for bedtime game session or something like that. It's really, it's really good. It's really cute. It's exactly the kind of thing that I like to see on the Switch. I love indie, interesting, you know, I haven't played a lot of games that are just like this. So it feels pretty fresh. Good stuff. Uh, I was going to say that when I play it in bed, I'm going to make the, like some voice, though, and be like, whenever she moves Earth around, I'll be like, and now I will move the Earth to the <laughs> left, and you will call me a god. I'm going to do that. You can absolutely, absolutely do that. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, one more game to talk about here before we jump to Spider-Man, which I know we are all very excited about talking about, especially you. Uh, I'm going to talk about Iris and the Giant. Uh, it's also on Switch. 
Yeah, I just put up a official text review up at Game Critics, and it is, hold on to your horses, the highest score I have awarded this entire year. What? Yep, yeah, it is the best scoring game by by my measuring stick. So Iris and the Giant, which I'm kind of in love with, it is a 2D roguelike card-based game, uh, also turn-based. The premise is that you play as a girl. Now, bear with me for a moment here. You play as a girl. Her name is Iris. She lives in the real world, and she is having some issues at home. It's not exactly clear from the beginning what's going on, but like her dad is real concerned about her. She's having problems in school. She seems like she's a very unhappy girl. She's having like major life problems, right? And how she deals with this problem is she creates a game in her head that is about um, like kind of like Greek mythology a little bit, but also kind of like just like a fantasy game where there's like minotaurs and monsters and goblins and 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 she in this game she imagines herself as like a strong warrior right and so that's how she's dealing with her problems in the real world and as the player you play the game that she has imagined in her head that is what you are doing mm. so it's kind of like got a couple layers there as you go through the game you'll see little cutscenes of her in the real world like talking to her dad or like getting bullied at school or something like that and then she goes back to the game and in the game she's like you know the warrior again she's like using weapons and she's like slaying monsters um so i really like that layer of it i'm not going to talk anymore about the story but i really like the story i thought it was really strong but not overdone like it's not tons of story but there's just enough to let you know what's up to let you know there is a story and i feel like it really had some emotional feels. I feel like it ended really strong. I feel like the story part was really good. And uh, most roguelikes do not have a strong story. So props there. Uh, also, the gameplay is great. It's very, very user-friendly and easy to understand. Um, the developer really like went above and beyond to make sure that everything was accessible and clear. So like all of your cards are basically like an icon, right? Like instead of like, sometimes you see these like card games and it's like a ton of text and it's just it's hard to read you gotta scroll in or zoom into the text and it's just like a pain in the ass to play and this is like you get a card there's like an axe on it and it's bright red and then there's like a sword and it's like bright blue and there's like uh you know a whip and the whip is yellow or something mm-hmm. it's like it's very like like icon based right it's very easy to see you're not straining your eyes and as you're playing the game iris is on the left and there's like a grid on the right with all the monsters that you have to kill and on the right if you if you forget what you're doing you can move a cursor around at any time at any time, and just mouse over something with your... I mean, I'm playing on the Switch, so it's not a mouse, but you move the cursor. And it'll say, oh, this monster will move forward in one turn, and he attacks for three damage, and he does so-and-so. And if you forget what your weapon does, you can mouse over that, and it's like, oh, this axe attacks for, like, three damage or something. And, like, it's like you don't have to remember everything that's going on. You don't have to remember all the rules. You don't have to, like, try to guess what's going to happen. It'll just... It'll simply tell you. If you do this thing, this is literally what's going to happen. If you attack this guy, this is what he does. If you use the shield, this is how long you're going to be shielded for. Like, it's all, like, super clear and super surface. So, like, you're never wondering, is this the right move to do? Is this what I want to do? Like, what happens if I do this thing? Like, none of that. It's very straightforward, very clear, very easy to understand. And I think the combat system is great. You collect cards, and each weapon has a different attack. The monsters all have their different attacks, of course. And you just kind of go through level by level. Very well put together, very balanced, and to sweeten the pot for people who may not be down with roguelikes or card-based games, uh, there's a lot of progression that happens in this game, which is great. I think all the best modern roguelikes have progression. You can unlock um, these, like, toggles for settings. So, like, if you want to make it easier on yourself, um, there's a toggle that gives you half your life back every time you start a new level. 
So like, let's say you get to level three, you get your ass beat, you're almost dead. You get to level four, you get half your life back. Like it totally like gives you like that boost. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, turn it on, turn it off. If you like certain weapons, you can turn those on and off. If you want to get more of something, you can turn that on and off. If you like, uh, you know, there's all sorts of little tweaks that you can do to custom tailor the experience to your taste. There's also like straight up like easy, normal, hard mode. So you can do that as well. I mean, they just, everything about this game is well thought out, well designed, well polished. And there's also like a really great story. And on top of everything, the art is like bananas good. It's super abstract, super stylized. But I, this art is just like in your face. So like bright and colorful and cool looking. Like I love the way it looks, love the way it feels, love the way it plays. I did complete this game and I think it's great. Um, I basically have like no complaints about this game. It's pretty close to being a perfect roguelike. How long did it take you to beat it? ish i want to say maybe between eight or ten hours like it wasn't crazy and i feel like for a roguelike that's a pretty quick play like you're still learning the systems by the time that i finished the game i had a real good grasp of the systems and i had most of the unlocks uh as far as the toggling uh, options goes and i had i had like certain things turned off and certain things turned on so i mean i think eight to ten hours is probably pretty average for most people and you're um again you know that i don't care for this genre but um i'm always like tempted you know here and there if the art is good enough or the story is interesting enough and both these uh check those boxes for me because of the art style i agree i've seen pictures of it it's fucking amazing Ah, it's gorgeous um so how many times are you dying though like you talk about eight hours like roguelikes you basically just die all the time do you feel like you have a lot of gameplay before you die or are you just like dying a ton or you know what I mean? Like what's the dying ratio? Oh yeah. Well, when I first started the game, like, like the very first time I played, I mean, I think I made it like five minutes and then I died. But then once I started realizing, Oh, okay, well the ax does this and the sword does this and this monster does that. And okay. Like once I started, you know, picking that up and once I started spending more time analyzing the battlefield before I made a move, Oh, I mean, you can easily get, you know, half an hour runs or something 45 minute runs depending on um uh which path you go in the world and like Mm. which mode you're on and all that so like you know it's not a quick death i mean it's very much like they give you lots of opportunities to like save yourself there's like a toggle that'll give you yourself one more chance in case you get killed uh and if you die all the way then there's another chance on top of that if you want to keep going so it's definitely not one of those roguelikes that wants to stomp you down i mean there's challenge it's not it's not a, a cakewalk, but it's also extremely fair, and there's lots of ways to make it easier on yourself if that's what you want. And if you don't, you don't have to use any of those things. So right. it's totally up to you. I think it's like it's pretty much perfect in that respect. I was thinking because basically um, it reminded me of that. I can't remember the name of the game, but I reviewed it uh, on this show. Wintermore Club, is that right? Wintermore? Wintermore Tactics? Yeah, something yeah. Something like that? Wintermore Where Tactics. Where the idea was that these kids were in school, but then when they actually fought battles, they – they were the um, envisioned version of themselves, right? They were wizards right, and warriors. Right. And that reminded me of that. And I love that kind of like escape into another reality thing. Um, this is another sh- like plug for one of my favorite games of all time, um, Little Misfortune, which I've mentioned. Oh, yeah. They came to the Switch, too, I believe. Yeah. Oh, it's fucking it's a in my opinion, it's a 10. Like I, I, I don't give numbers, but if I did um, and in that one, you know, she also kind of goes into a different world. And I love that when, like, there's an emotional story, but then you use the, you know, alternate reality to, to escape into it. The yeah, thing is, I yeah. was the only thing I'd be worried about is, is how that story kind of progresses. You'd want to learn about it, but then you kind of restarting in a roguelike. Does that ruin that part of it? 
Well, how it shakes down in this particular game is you start off with, you know, an opening cutscene that shows Iris and her problems. And every time that you die and go back, I mean, it's the same cutscene. So you're not getting more and more of the story. You you have to actually do progress to get the rest of the story. But you can just skip that cutscene again. Like, you don't have to watch it. So, like, uh, okay. you know, if you get to, like, level 8, you're going to see the same level 8 cutscene and just skip it and keep going. But, you know, you do have to, like, make it further and further to get the whole story. Yeah, I get it. Okay. Well, it yeah. sounds cool. It might be the one that I try. I don't know. The art sound, all the other things, check boxes. Yeah, I mean, I think it's wonderful. I love roguelikes. I think this is one of the best ones I've played in quite a while because it does so many things perfectly. Plus, you know, it has the story. Plus, it has the polish. I mean, it's it's a gem. It's a real gem. Really loved it a lot. That is Iris and the Giant. It's on uh, PC. It's also on Switch. I think that's the only two places where it's at. Uh, okay, now the time that we've all been waiting for. Spider-Man Miles Morales. You have played this on PS5. I have not played it yet. It is really high on my list. I really want to play it. Um, full disclosure from me. I was not the biggest fan of Spider-Man, the one that preceded this one. I felt like it was too much combat. It was too long. Pretty cool, but I just I couldn't get through it. I felt it was too much. And But I am very excited because I think Miles Morales is an awesome character. I've heard this one is shorter. I think it looks great. Uh, there's like Spider-Cat. There's all sorts of cool stuff. So I'm very interested, and I think I may give this one a shot. But you are the man who is playing it uh, full-time here. So tell us about Spider-Man Miles Morales. Oh, boy. This is going to be anticlimactic. Oh, no. Oh, no. Especially after that intro that you gave me. I feel like oh, no. just super guilty. I feel, I feel bad what? about myself. What? what? Yeah, I feel embarrassed. Um, oh, God. I have a lot of feelings now. You're keeping me in suspense here, dude. What is I it? I know, I know. Um, so, geez, Louise. That, that's set up. So I'll say this first off. Miles Morales is a great, great character. All right? Love him. Him and Genki. Is it Genki? I don't know who that. His know his buddy, is. his buddy or whatever. From um, the movies? Yeah, from the Okay, I'll, I'll cut this cuz I don't know what that is. Running I down, don't know what it is either. <laughs> running down remove Genki. Okay. Um so Miles Morales is a great character, but the game because like you said it's a, a shorter game, it's simpler to what they did with um you know, Tomb Raider and Last of Us for these little bite-sized kind of story bits uh, based on the actual, you know, game engine. Sure. Um, it's just that it's just a, it's the Spider-Man again. It's like mm-hmm. it's the Spider-Man that you and I both like were frustrated with and didn't really care for. Um, I uh, famously was like so frustrated that the world them itself in Spider-Man, the original, wasn't really a world. It, it was really right. just bit there to to let you swing around. Like you were supposed to be swinging the whole time, and if you stopped for a second, it had like old school world you know open world um complete with old school graphics well that's all the same and for some reason i thought because it's the ps5 there's new bells and whistles the ray tracing is going to be there it's christmas time all these people talking about how they love walking around this world it feels so believable and it just it shows ps5's power well fuck y'all the valhalla shows ps5's power oh man demon souls does but this is Again, it's the exact same game. And yeah, there's a couple moments where there's reflections in the snow and the ray tracing is in the lights, but all the gameplay is the same. It's fucking Batman Arkham, whatever, right? Batman Arkham Knight. Um, yeah. that, that combat, which I never liked. Uh, I'm the odd man out probably, but I have never enjoyed that kind of uh, almost like Mortal Kombat Street Fighter kind of fighting where you go box to triangle to triangle to box. No. Okay, so I'm not going to do that. So it's like that. It's like you have to be good at those kind of combos. It's the same mechanics for combat. 
I don't think the graphics, and I'll, you know, come at me with whatever you want to throw at me, but, like, I don't think they're that great. I think it looks like Spider-Man, and I don't think I like it. Oh, man. Is it still crazy heavy on the combat? Because that was, like, one of my biggest complaints about the original Spider-Man. I felt like there was way too much combat. I mean, on top of just way too much busy work, like finding like a thousand backpacks and doing the same kind of stuff over and over. I felt like it was just a lot of busy work for a game that was way longer than it should have been. And especially the combat is what killed it for me because it was just, just overkill. Is it still the same like amount of combat or they dial it back at all? Or is it it just the same? I think it's dialed to 11. Here's, here's the uh, thing. Oh fuck. Is it more? Well, okay. Cause I haven't played enough to know, but I have been fighting a lot and I'll tell you this, something else, another pet peeve of mine is besides I don't want to fight any more bosses, which this game has bosses, yeah. but the very beginning of the game is all combat, and it's actually the you know cut scenes and the quick time events, and it's so similar to Last of Us, where like in Last of Us you'll go to like a mountain or something, and the mountain falls down, and then it lands into a city, and then the city explodes, and then you land into a car, and the car blows up. You know, it's like continual up to eleven. And that's what this game does to start. Like, I was excited to talk about Miles Morales and his story and, like, maybe get some exposition of what's going on here. But immediately it was like, you are fighting Rhino, and it's going to go for 20 minutes. Like, you're going to fight him. for. I mean, it was a fucking long time, dude. And I was like, I don't care about any of this. This is boring, and it feels like the old game. And so then I finally got to walk around the world. And I immediately, of course, went to the buildings and, like, looked inside the windows to see if they've upgraded. No, it looks like PS2 graphics in those windows. Don't even look. It scares you. Um, So, it's to me, it's boring. Like, straight up, hot take. Carlos's hot take. It's a hard pass. And this game is... Now, yes, the story probably gets better later, and we'll learn about Miles. And I'll be like, ooh, there's a cool heartfelt moment. But the moment-to-moment gameplay to get to those cutscenes, no thanks. Oh, dude, that is disappointing. That is really disappointing because I mean, I, like I said at the beginning, I did not care for the original Spider-Man, and I think that I, I think you and I are both in the minority on that. That game was a lot of people's favorite that year. Uh, not my favorite, and clearly not your favorite either. But I was really hoping that because Miles is such a cool character, and that it was a smaller experience, that maybe that would have kind of made up for some of the things I didn't like, but it does not sound like that's the case. Now, one thing you probably have not gotten there. Um, did you come across any of the, the sign language portions that are in this game? Cause that was one of the big secret plot points that nobody was allowed to talk about before the embargo dropped. Did you see any of that? No, I saw your tweet about it and it seemed cool. Um, and so I'm sure there's a lot of like inclusionary stuff in this, in this story too. And so that's cool. Uh, I'm sure parts of the story are cool, but I'm, I'm, I mean, so far, it's Spider-Man, and it's still that oh, damn man. combat all the time. And and by the way, oh, here's another pet peeve of mine. Well, one, there's a certain type of game player, I'll, call, I'll use that terminology, that can, like, do these, you know, Mortal Kombat things, right? Combos, sure. right? Sure. And that's the stuff that I just don't like or I'm bad at or whatever. I feel like the swinging is similar because there's, like, 18 buttons to swing. Like, there's swinging, but then there's, like, direct swinging, but then there's, like, point direct swinging, and then there's, like, just j- jump ahead, and then there's, like, bounce. And I don't feel like – I always feel, like, troubled by traversing. I know other people might be like, that's their favorite thing to do. But me and my skills, I always feel like I'm falling back to the ground. And I'm like, I don't feel like (laughs) Spider-Man. 
I, I, yeah, I remember that. I remember how it, it was so complicated in the first game. I thought it was a little bit too complicated, yeah. Yeah, there's just so many buttons to do, like, direct web-slinging, and I'm like, I don't... Anyway, so that is boring to me, and also, there's constantly audio playing, like a radio station, or like, uh, you know, someone's calling you on the phone, but there's like hardly any time to just be a Spider-Man and like go through the city and, and see like a sunset or something. But it's like always like, you should go here. You should do this. Are you listening to, to Jonah on the radio? And you're like, oh, just give me a break. So um, a lot of, a lot of pet peeves for me. But, and I also don't think that it looks as good as people think. I don't know if it's because I'm spoiled, but, and that could be part of it. But I don't think it's it's definitely like an add on to the Spider-Man that you and I both didn't like very much. Did you play in the mode that has it looking like the animation from um, Into the Spider-Verse? I, I thought did, that was one of the. Yeah, the I did modes. for a second and it was kind of fun. Um, and that's like a parlor trick. You know, it's cute. Yeah, it's cute. Yeah, for sure. But it actually does not feel good to play that way because you're feeling like you're missing frames. And I yeah. was like, I just bought a PS5. Right. Well, that's a shame. I mean, I was going to say, I was going to ask if you'd seen some of the sign language, because one of my uh, best friends in the whole world, Josh Castile, who is a, a deaf actor, uh, was the sign language coach for that game. Um, he was working with uh, Insomniac, and he did not do the sign language, but he helped select the person who did do the sign language. Uh, and props to Josh. He made sure that it was a person of color who was doing that to kind of get accurate representation and inclusion. Uh, and he did the coaching for the language. And I was really proud of him for, for uh, doing such a cool project. And apparently, I mean, I haven't played it yet. I think it's coming on uh, from Gamefly for me. Uh, but apparently the sign language plays a much bigger part in that game than anybody knew. So I'm looking forward to seeing that part of it. And honestly, I'm probably going to play the game just to see that part, even if I don't like the game that much, because I really want to see what it looks like. And, yeah. and uh, you know, props to my friend for, for getting that going with uh, Insomniac. So... I'll check it out, but man, what you're telling me was kind of like 100% what I didn't want to hear or what I was afraid Sorry. I was going to hear. But, but you know, I, we're truth tellers, man. If that's how it is, we've got to tell it how it is, you know? Well, and also I'll say this. If you guys listen to the podcast, you know Brad's opinion about games and my opinion about games. And if you match up, whoever you match up with, you go, oh, I, I, I'm like Carlos or I'm like Brad. In this case, you might be like both of us and be like, I don't want to do those types of things they're explaining. Or you might be someone who doesn't like our opinion on Spider-Man and be like, I love Spider-Man. I would love more of it. And those people, you'll probably have a great time because it's, I think, a shorter, like tighter, better story probably. And it feels like it's that way, minus the beginning, which was fucking way too long of action. And then, you know, you'll be fine. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I think we're definitely outliers. It seemed like a lot of people had a lot of love for Spider-Man last time around. I'm sure that's going to continue, but... Uh... We shall see. I'll definitely play it, and maybe I'll mention it when uh, the disc gets here from Gamefly. But uh, I guess, uh, guess that's a miss for Carlos there. It's a, well, <clears throat> it's a. I'm gonna still walk around the world and see if I can you know, look at the graphics and and see if I can get some more story out of it, though. All right, fair enough, fair enough. Couple more games here. Then we're gonna wrap it up, folks. Game coming from me. Playing it on the PS4. Chicken Police Painted Red Ooh. is uh, the one I'm talking about. Have you seen it? I've been looking at it and like hovering over the buy button just based on the graphics alone or whatever it's right doing. if you have not seen this game like at least google some images or watch the trailer because it is a hoot like it is imagine a, a game full of detectives done in a like noir style 50s noir style and yet every single person has an animal head for a head so instead of a human head 
One person has a chicken for a head, and one person has a dog head, and one person has a cat head. So it's got these weird anthropomorphized animals, which is it's wild. The art style is wild. It's not quite realistic, but it is it's not cartoony either. It's kind of this weird middle ground, which I find horrifying and awesome <laughs> at the same time. It's really striking to look at. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, and I wasn't really even sure what kind of game this was. I knew it was a noir detective, but I wasn't sure what you're doing. What it ends up being is a point and click kind of like a visual novel sort of you play the role of the uh, chicken investigator and he is like a like an ex-cop or he's just about to retire or something like that and he's like burned out and drinking booze and stuff and then of course like every good noir detective movie this lady walks into his office and she's got a problem and so they do some banter back and forth he takes the case and then he's got to start investigating stuff you pick locations from a map and you just like warp there and all the locations are kind of like still screens or there might be like a tiny little bit of animation, but it's not it's not full animation. Like you're just looking at still pictures when somebody talks to you. It's like a still portrait or they'll have like one or two animations, but that's about it. But you talk to people. So basically just a detective game, point and click. Uh, you pick up items, use item, you know, go to location, search location, that kind of stuff. But everybody's got like an animal head, which is wild. And I mean, it totally it got me in right like i'm like oh my god i want to i want to be the dude that has a chicken oh head for a head now, like, I'm, oh my god chicken head yes I'm, oh god um but i will say it's it's pretty well done except for one thing and that one thing absolutely killed it for me and i'll tell you what that is so i don't know where these developers are from but it's not uh a native english speaking country okay. so i i don't want to sound like racist or anything here but if you're going to write a game that is a dialogue heavy, you know, point and click visual novel style game. And you're going to set it in the noir genre, which is all about sharp dialogue. That's what it's about. I mean, Dashiell Hammett stuff, all that stuff from the fifties, like the Maltese Falcon, all that stuff. It is about writing in a very specific style. And I have to say that these developers, I mean, I love them. I really love what they were going for. But they did not nail the dialogue, and it just it totally ruined it for me. And I'll tell you why. Um, apart from some sentences sounding really weird with words that people wouldn't really say or that just sound strange to a native English speaker like us, when you are doing um, an investigation, let's say you're talking to a person. Like in the very opening case when the lady shows up in your office, she's like, oh, I, need, I have a problem. Help me with my problem. And they're teaching you how to like interrogate people. The problem was that I was supposed to be feeling a certain way or getting a clue, a certain kind of clue. Like, let's say, for example, they want this lady to sound suspicious, like she's hiding something. But because these people are not native English speakers, I was not getting what they were wanting me to get. And mm -hmm. I didn't, you know, like for the, in the first example, this lady's suspicious. She's hiding something like the text is telling me that they're like interrogate her because she's hiding something. And I'm like, how would I know that? Because I'm not getting that sense from the dialogue like i'm supposed to just guess that she's suspicious yeah um and so if that dialogue is not razor sharp if it is not dead on bullseye you're not getting the noir experience like you're not getting the feeling of being a detective and it kind of continued from that point so that was a rough start got to the next dialogue section and it was again kind of like the dialogue is like 80% of the way there but it's not quite there and for this kind of game it really needs to be there so I'd be having a dialogue and somebody would say something like really weird. And I'm not sure. Did you mean to say that? Or did the scriptwriter pick the wrong word? Is that a mistranslation? It just was, it was off. Right. And it's not off enough to make the game unplayable, 
but it's off enough to that I was taken out of the experience. I wasn't sucked into being a detective. Yeah. And I just, I kept like hyper analyzing the text because it just, it kept being weird and it just didn't gel for me. Yeah. It's funny. Cause that is definitely where you want to understand the nuance of dialogue in a nuance, detective yes, game. Good word. Good um, word. I, I, I was thinking of LA noir when you were talking and how that is so, you know, opposite, it seems, where you're like even looking at facial features, right? Like, is, yeah. this, is this person lying by what they're, how they sound or what they're saying or what they're looking like? Um, obviously, that game was all based on just that. But yeah, I think you need that. Um, for me, like bad dialogue or bad translation can be really fun <laughs> in certain games. And I really, really like it. But it doesn't seem like it fits in this game. Yeah, I mean, it, it It would be one thing if it was just like the occasional weird word or something. But when the game is all about, hey, you need to figure out what these people are saying and you need to interrogate people properly and figure out if they're dropping a clue. Like, I just I just wasn't getting the clues. Right. Like I was I was not getting the emotional tone of how these people were supposed to be. And I spent more time trying to figure out the sentences. And again, it's not it's not terrible. Like, it's not bad but even one or two poorly chosen words can really skew the meaning of a whole paragraph yeah so i just was like oh man i really want to like this game it looks so cool chicken heads are awesome i want i want to be in this game but i got i did not get too far because the the dialogue just kept pulling me out so man yeah the visuals are so cool and again so strong like i said earlier i mentioned lynch but like it it felt like looking at like a racer head or something uh, just <laughs> I, I got visuals of that for some reason so yeah but it's yeah. striking but you know it just it was kind of a miss for me which is a real shame i was so excited but there you go one more game for me and then um, one more wrap up from you i'm going to talk about wasteland 3 carlos you talked about it a while ago what? correct yeah 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 um i, I kind of left it for a little while because i think i told you on the show or maybe i was about to tell you that i got stuck in a in a section where I didn't want to make a certain choice that they wanted me to make. And the opposite uh, thing to do besides making the choice, which without spoiling anything, was to fight people. And I was like, okay, I'll fight people because that's my choice, which you could do in that game, right? Right. And I was underpowered. So I was like, oh, I just don't want to play anymore. Like I was frustrated because I didn't want to do the choice they were going to make me do. So basically I have to go back to the game and grind and level up a bit i guess and then go back and fight because i want fighting was my option is what i wanted to do does that make sense right yeah 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 i'm gonna i'm gonna we're gonna maybe spoil minor spoils on that but put it put a pin in that for a second um so you did not finish the game how are you talking about the um the reagan part the reagan part yeah totally yeah okay i know what you're talking about so just brief recap i know carlos talked about this on an earlier episode of wasteland is from coming from in exile has some of the old Fallout uh, developers on it. It is a post-apocalyptic RPG, top-down, isometric. You play a group of rangers who are going to Colorado. They need to get some supplies to send back home, and they are in desperate need of these supplies. And in order to get the supplies, they have to work with the guy who is ruling Colorado and support him and what he needs done. He's got a bunch of quests for you to do. He's got some problems. His kids are, like, turning out to be major assholes, and so he needs you to stop his kids and bring them back and along the way you meet lots of people in the wasteland lots of weirdos mutants robots monsters and you go from location to location on a world map once you get to the world map location there's like a big map that you're walking around with your group uh but basically like a top-down fallout uh but in the with a party not just a single person but like a whole party uh, i love this game i love i love this game so much which is interesting because i tried wasteland 2 
bounced off it super hard. Did not care for it, like, at all. Um, and I wasn't sure I was going to like Wasteland 3. I went into it, like, really hesitant. Uh, but I think that they got enough money with their Kickstarter. They refined their systems enough. It's great. I really love it. This is exactly the kind of post-apocalyptic RPG that I want. And it feels very much to me like a top-down New Vegas. New Vegas is probably my favorite of all time. This one feels very much like New Vegas. And I think that's great because I like that. Yeah. Lots of humor. The writing is really funny in a lot of places. The quests are pretty interesting. Um, I just I had a blast. I could not stop playing. I actually finished it all the way through. You finished it? Holy shit. Finished it. Finished it all the way through. I was addicted to it for like a week and I put in a bunch of time. Really liked it a lot. Um, so I think the, the quests are really interesting. Writing is really interesting. A lot of the choices are very interesting. Um, so just to, just as a really brief spoiler for this quest that you're talking about, Carlos, uh, you get to this town and it's taken over by these people who worship like an AI version of Ronald Reagan and they want you to do some stuff. What, so tell us just really briefly, folks, if you don't want to be spoiled, jump ahead like two minutes here. Um, what did they? What, so which? What did you want to do? How did you want to resolve this situation? Well, th- there's like a douchebag who's working with them, who's yes. one of the many people that work for the head douchebag, which is very vague. And I just wanted <clears> to <throat> take him out. I just wanted to, and wanted to get him, either capture him or kill him. Okay. And and these huge like I'll call them zealots or whatever these yes. Re- Reagan heads uh, are protecting him. And so the minute I attack him or try to do anything to him, they fight. And I did that fight in this like huge room and almost killed everybody, but then died. And I kept like almost winning and then just dying every time. Cause like they had turrets and it was really a terrible room to be, you know, try to attack in. So that's where I got stuck. Cause I didn't want to do any sort of thing for them. Like I wanted to hardcore role play it and be like, I will not support these motherfuckers. And the only way you can get out of that situation without fighting is to do something for them. And I might have like taken the role playing too much with that, but that's why I stopped it because I didn't want to work for them. Interesting. So that is a good. That's a really good example of how this game works because one of the things I like the best about it is there's multiple answers to every problem, and rarely is combat like the best way to go. I mean, I bumped up um, all my various stats on my team. I had at least one person who was good in every stat, so I had a pretty well balanced team. Definitely the way to go. And in that particular case, you might want to come back to it if you're ever in the mood and just play it out a little bit longer because I can understand why you wouldn't want to do the choice that is initially presented to you. But if you like kind of go along with it for a little while, you do get more choices down the road where you can like double cross them or you can trick them somehow or you can do something different, which is one thing that I really liked about it. Um, So I like the way that that resolved for me. I did not resolve it in combat. Although I will admit, I did come back afterwards and I killed everybody in the town. So. Oh, shit. <laughs> that You're was like, kind of fun. Revenge. Yeah, and by the way, to that point real quick, and this is an interesting <clears throat> tangent, because Fallout 1 and 2 um, you know, it was a, were big deals for me, and I, I loved them to death and played every single second of them, and they were an early version of a game where you could you know, um, complete the outcome however you wanted. Yeah, and yeah. in that one, there was like a famously like this huge... <clears throat> boss character or some like asshole mafia person and he wanted me to do stuff for him and i was like hey guess what i've already leveled up fuck you and just killed him and then all those side quests just went away and so that's that's like kind of like my old historical version of wasteland and i go like 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 old fallout i just want to like you know wipe these guys out because this is not what i want to do and so it just it kind of gates it at times and yeah i could go back because i feel like i understand what you're saying like later on down the road i can like double cross them etc so yeah i would say go back because i feel like that spirit is still there i felt like you could talk your way out of a lot as long as you invested 
and put your points, you know, I think the game kind of tempts you into putting most of your points in like the attack stats, but I think that's really a mistake because if you put some points into the other stats like survival, like about being a hard ass or being an ass kisser or being um, a sneaky person, like if you have at least one person that's good in all those things, like a lot more options open up and you very rarely have to fight your way out unless you want to, which I think is yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, so I really like the option and the choice. A lot of really fun choices pop up. And, and just like you said, if you choose one way, like the other branch always closes off. So it's, it's interesting to see like what you can do, what you can't do, how certain things connect up to certain things later on. And one thing that I thought was really, really, really interesting. And I don't know that it was interesting on purpose or maybe it was an accident, but in this game, I'm not going to spoil the main story or anything, but like you're supposed to help the guy who runs uh, Colorado, right? That's like the, the premise of the game. You get there and I'm thinking, of course, I'm going to have to overthrow this guy at some point because that's how video games are, right? Yes. That's just, that's what happens. Yeah. And they do try to nudge you that way, but so many things pop up and after you take in the world and the situation and what that guy's doing and what other people are doing, once you kind of like roll that around in your head i feel like and again not spoiling this i feel like i did the choice that the developers totally didn't want me to do but i feel like i was very satisfied with how it turned out which i think is the mark of a good game where the developers let you make the mistakes you want or make the choices you want allow that to happen and it's not like a catastrophic thing it's just a different thing and i I really enjoyed that a lot i really like that yeah like early fallout games you know i feel like that's definitely why i liked them um i will say this too i do love that you can recruit a hobo and i think we both recruited the hobo didn't we uh yes but that was one of my biggest disappointments of the game dude because where where did you play this game what system uh ps4 all right i played it on xbox one and I don't know about you, but my copy of the game was buggy as fuck. It was so buggy, dude. Like, it was, if the writing wasn't so good and if I wasn't having so much fun, I would never have played it because it was, like, unacceptable levels of buggy where it crashed on me daily, like, at least once or twice a day. Um, weird shit would happen where, like, the cursor would stop working or, you know, like, one time I went into battle with my sniper. I checked my ammo before the battle. I had, like, 150 sniper bullets when i started the battle i had zero sniper bullets and i'm like okay i know for a fact i had sniper bullets because i just fucking bought some and the hobo he was so glitchy he was the glitchiest guy which was funny because i mean i wanted to use him but he like would would not do his animation he would be like a statue and he would glide over the landscape sometimes i would click attack he would not attack sometimes i couldn't get him to move and i'm like okay i cannot I cannot have a guy on my team who does not follow orders because I need every single person on my team to carry their load. So I had to drop him back off at the bar. I wanted to use him, but he was just too fucking buggy. It really bummed me out. That sounds like an Xbox issue then because I had literally maybe one crash. I did have a crash early on, and I did play it when it first came out. I'm sure there's patches now. But, man, I, I experienced none of that, what you just said. Oh, dude, it was buggy so bad. Like, I mean... And that's a testament to how good this game is, right? Because if it was any other game, I'd be like, fuck this. I'm not playing this until it gets patched. But, like, I kept coming back. Like, I would, I lost 20 minutes. I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm playing that again because I want to keep going because I really want to be in this world and I want to see what happens. So yeah. it is a credit to um, this game that it brought me back. I will say, though, I will say uh, that the cast could have been a little stronger. I felt like the characters, I bonded with a couple of them. There were a couple of them that I didn't really have a strong feeling about. I mean, it's not like mass effect level characters where you really care about like everybody in your team there's a couple of people who are like Meh, you're kind of boring but i need a sniper so you're my sniper i guess um they could have done a little bit more interesting characters but overall story was great gameplay was really great kind of turn-based tactics sort of a thing kind of an XCOM thing world was great i mean funny 
I just had a wonderful time with it. I thought it was really, really well done. I, just, I, want, I would like to play this game again with no bugs. Yeah, I'm amazed you finished it. That's really cool. That's inspiring to me to go back. I'll go back because, again, I can download the PS4. or I guess it doesn't have a PS5 version, but PS4 version on my PS5. And, and Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll try it again. I dig it. It's got to be one of my favorite games of the year. I really liked it a lot. So good times with Wasteland 3. Um, final game of the show here before we wrap up. Let's do a little bit of a... Uh, I guess let's come back to Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I was I was trying to say that. My tongue stopped. I was about to say something that was super inappropriate, and I stopped myself. I'm oh, very proud. Now very I want to hear it. I want to hear. We're not going to say it on the. We're not going to say it on the air. But let's let's go back to you for the final segment here. Let's do some wrap up, Carlos. Assassin's Creed Valhalla. We talked about it a little bit last show. Did you finish it? Are you further? Do you like it? Do you not like it? Where are you at with Valhalla right now? Well, I'm just thinking about what you were going to say. Is all I'm doing. <laughs> That's all I'm going to think about for this whole segment. Um, yeah. No, this game is. Uh, I don't think I realized it uh, at first uh, because I hadn't played like a lot of different environments. And when I first started it, you start in Norway. Uh, so it's all very snowy and very kind of dark looking and, you know, shadows. And obviously you're in Norway. It's like a lot of snow and, and, and darker landscape. But then a lot it's some people. A lot yeah. Of white folks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then you get to England and it's like all sorts of different you know, colors and, and trees and biomes. And it just feels like uh, this really awesome world that you would just want to walk around in. It is like, you know, if you think of the Witcher three, how much fun we had with that and how beautiful that world looked, just think of that times like five or 10. Like it's, it just ups the ante on what a, a in terms of world world design, you mean world of just view, like, like walking around, visuals. Yeah. Seeing the shadows, seeing the sunset, all that stuff that you like in an open world game that uh, is kind of aesthetic, but also helps you feel like you're in this place. Gotcha. gotcha. It's it's just so amazing. Like, uh, you know, especially with the, with the nice TV, you know, you feel the, the, the darks are very dark. The brights are very bright. The sun almost kind of blinds you in a way when, when it's too bright and you are, you just feel like you're in that world. It really makes a difference. And that is a testament to the ray tracing. Um, I, I didn't think that would be such a big deal, but it really does. Um, uh, make you feel really great in that world and it's difficult to go back i swear once you get into the ray tracing world dude you won't want you won't not want it wait you won't <laughs> not want to you have won't it. not want it to go have it <laughs> you won't not want to not have it um it's it's really cool and then the game itself i'm probably let's see 20 15 20 hours in and you know full-on world map now in england taking over factions taking over areas aligning myself with kings taking out kings and doing that whole thing it's a really um, big political struggle as well so it's not just like killing dudes which a lot of it's killing dudes but um there's a lot of really great dialogue and you essentially are creating a settlement i think i'd mentioned that last time yes you did and once you start building more of these huts up and more of these like the cartographer that brings up all new mini games essentially the hunting lodge so now that you're going to go find like the great elk or the great 
beast of the world. So these are things like you build like you build a building in your town and then that town offers you different types of subquests is what you're saying? Yeah, the little um, little huts do, right? So the fishermen, if you do the fisherman hut, then all of a sudden any of the fish you collect, you can go back and sell them, which is a good way to make money. So there's all these little kind of mini things that happen once you start building up your town. Plus in general, you just meet people and recruit them. And it feels like Watch Dogs Legion, where you start to care about like your crew, you know, mm, and, and, I, and I really okay. feel like it's not just a game about, you know, Assassin's Creed is usually like a solo person who is going to fucking take down all these bad dudes. Um, what's interesting is, you know, how Assassin's Creed always has those people you've got to go take out, right? Sure. Assassinate. A- assassinate. Uh, hence the name. Hence um, the name. Th- this shows up at some point. Like there's a little house and you build it and you go, hey, here's the people you should go to assassinate. And I go, I don't care. (laughs) Like, literally, (laughs) that was the least interesting thing to do because the interesting thing to do is to follow the story of these Vikings, the family line, your brother, um, how you're going to, you know, talk to the Ragnaroks because fucking Ragnarok is in here. Um, You know, the guys from the Vikings TV show. Uh, What's his name? Oh, my goodness. Come on. Oh, my goodness. Ragnar, I, I don't know Ragnarson or whatever. You know the Ragnarsons, so they're there. <laughs> those guys, yeah. Those I know those guys. You know those. We guys. went to school together. We went, yeah. We had coffee. Um, <laughs> they came over for dinner. They did, and they ate everything, and they pillaged, and they burned. Yes, but they wore masks, social distancing. Which they is did great. do that, which is nice. Um, it's just that whole all that that world that I like, I like, and 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 want to know the story of the assassination part. I don't care. I was like, I don't even want to do that. And I might not have to. Like, so far, it's not, like, pushing me, you know what I mean, like, every single minute. Like, oh, go assassinate this next person. So so let me ask you then. This sounds interesting. But, okay, so I guess my question to you, specifically to you, Carlos Rodella, knowing that you, the man that you are, are you to the point in this game where you are just, like, engaging in the side stuff and being in the world and, like, all of the main quest stuff is, like, totally shunted to the side? Like, like could you theoretically do this stuff for, like, the next 30 hours and just be in the world and not really move things forward? Because it kind of sounds like that's where you're landing on it. No, I'm actually, it's a little different than that. Um, There's a lot of side quests, but most of the side quests aren't a ton of experience, and they're more just like for the world building and having fun, Um, which I'll tell you about one of the side quests that was really fun. But again, it wasn't like, it wasn't really progressing me a ton when it comes to XP or items and stuff. What progresses you is doing the main campaign. So to short answer is not really, I'm actually most interested in the main story. Um, oh, okay. So then how does that factor into the assassination then? Is that just, is the assassination more of a side quest or is it also intertwined with the main quest? It's intertwined, but it's also a side quest. Like the, I feel like there's a lot of things that would just play out if I just um, do the, the main quest and those assassinations will come into it. Like that's already happened, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, I took out that person because I wanted to, because I had to, it was part of the story. But then there's other ones on the side. Now it'll be frustrating if it makes all those side quest assassinations like mandatory, you know, for me to beat the game. I, well, that's kind of what I was wondering. Yeah, I, I don't know yet. Right. And I also I also hope it isn't like I would like that to be like, oh, you beat the game and now you can go get those other assassinations. That'd be better. And I hope that's how it plays out. Um, but real quickly on the side quest, there are very, very many funny ones which is you probably heard maybe uh, on the internet, people are talking about them. One is, I guess, I haven't met this one, but there's a woman who um, you have to help her fart 
really loud. Oh my gosh! No, I have not. I've I've been kind of dark on this game. I don't know anything about okay. it. Okay, so that one I don't. That seems like a little too ridiculous, and I haven't found her yet. But the one that I thought was really interesting, <laughs> it scared the shit out of me, is I was at this huge cliff, and there was this guy there, and again, you just stumble upon them, and he had all of his belongings up on the cliff and his horse, and he asked me if I would throw off all his belongings over the edge of the cliff because he was cleansing himself. You know, like he was, he didn't want to look at the past anymore. So you literally have to pick these things up and throw them off the edge of the cliff. So I did that, right? Easy peasy. Mm. But then he goes, and now I must cleanse myself. Sure. <laughs> and he jumps off the cliff. Sure. Spoiler, sure. you know? So anyways, there's moments like that. But for me, it's all about the story, the main campaign. And it's so fun. It's so fucking fun. I really, really like it. Uh, the, the combat is pretty clunky, but... um all the leveling up makes it worth it. I really like it. And it looks beautiful. Excellent. Excellent. Sounds like a pretty favorable review. I have not cracked into it yet. I think I'm probably not going to get to it this year. I'm trying to look ahead of the calendar. I definitely want to play Cyberpunk, and I know that's coming up really soon. So after I finished Wasteland 3, which took a big chunk of time for me, I just started uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon, which may have been a mistake because I I think... I think I may not finish it before Cyberpunk comes out, but it's going to be Yakuza. Then it's going to be Cyberpunk. That's probably going to carry me all the way to the end of the year, and then that's where we're going to be. So uh, I'm interested to try this one, uh, but probably not till next year. But we will circle back again, or I'm sure you'll have another status report, and we will see how that goes. Well, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to try to mainline it because I want to finish the main campaign before Cyberpunk. That'd be, yeah, that's my yeah. goal, yeah. That's the pro move there, so we'll see how that goes. So. All right, that is it, folks. That is the show. We covered a lot of topics. We talked a lot of words, uh, and now we're done. But before we go, we love to get your questions and comments. And, in fact, we have some shows coming up which are based entirely on your questions and comments. Not tonight's show, but coming up soon. So we will give you more information on those before too long. Also, um, check out our Twitter feed. We we ask a lot of questions, and we get a lot of responses there. Uh, If you're not following us on Twitter, check it out there. Uh, that is so video games at so video games. Uh, you can also email us directly. So video games podcast at gmail.com. You can also hit us up individually. Carlos, where do you want people to find you this week? Um, wow. Why does that have to be different each time? What's wrong with me? doesn't have to be different each time. I know, but it, it almost I say the same thing. I've said the same thing every, every day, you every have. show for like 200 episodes, man. You can do the same thing. Well, I, I will say this. Um, I have a digital, uh, only uh, stand-up special that I'm working on and I'm very excited about that um, but that is not available yet but that's something to look forward to and in the meantime you can follow me on Twitter O-N-A-W-A excellent excellent I do not have a digital stand-up special uh, that is not in the you works so that is not coming soon no it is not coming soon so don't wait don't wait for that folks because it ain't coming I'm waiting in for the it. meantime no don't wait you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram uh, mostly Twitter but some Instagram b-r-a-d-g-a-l-l-a-w-a-y all a's no o's and folks that is going to do it for episode 207 thank you again for joining us here at the so video games podcast and we'll be back before you know it but in the meantime this is bye from brad and bye from carlos huh weird weird if i say that the was same weird thing? that okay. was a weird thing. i won't that do it. i won't say bye